you beautiful people, and welcome to the Glorious in the Mundane podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. It's hard to believe it's Christmas week. It truly seems like only yesterday that I was getting you in the Christmas spirit in July as we launched the entire campaign around the funding of my Christmas record, The Thrill of Hope. And here we are, the week of Christmas. If you were able to get your hands on the music, I truly pray that it's been more than just a soundtrack to your Christmas festivities, but an experience that has slowed your pace, a story that you yourself have been found in. I pray it's been a season to stop and make room in your heart to make way for His unfailing love in your life. And of course, I hope all of this is true, whether you've gotten your hands on the music or not. I pray that this Christmas, you'll take every opportunity to rest and to savor all the ways that God wants to come after your heart in this beautiful season, and maybe even take a moment to look back through your year and maybe pinpoint ways that God might have been speaking to you or trying to get your attention, which is what I mean by Him going after your heart. Tonight, I was in quite a bit of traffic around the mall, and I just decided that I couldn't do anything about it. So basically, I just settled in for the long haul. And you might be in traffic right now as you're listening to this. So use every opportunity you have to savor these fleeting moments of 2016. Some of you might be fully ready to kiss this year goodbye, and others of you might be holding on to every last moment because it's been really sweet. We're all in different seasons, but like it or not, this year is coming to a close. It's hard to believe. It's been a big year for me personally, and this podcast has been a really big part of that. And I wanted to be grateful out loud for a minute for all of you who have tuned in and let us know about it. For those of you who came out to see me on the road to various concerts and events and have made sure that I know that this podcast has meant so much to you, thank you for doing that. And for those of you who've emailed and Instagrammed or simply just stopped me if you've run into me somewhere, our family, we were out the other night for Ellie's birthday and a group of people stopped me and just said what it's meant to them. And it's just so precious to hear those things. So thank you. I'm literally blown away how God has used these moments. And it's been so much fun to get to tell these stories and also just to process out loud through a very special year of my life, through realizing that I didn't have time to stop and write a book, but wanted to still be faithful to tell the stories God has laid on my heart to tell. I started this podcast to try to steward in the moment what I believe that God's given me to say to encourage you. I've worked harder this year than I probably have in the last five years combined, and that is mostly because we launched several things. And to get things off the ground, it takes some elbow grease. I know you guys know that, and hard work. And I've told you this before, but my prayer has continually been, God, show me what is just hard work sometimes, but still show me clearly where I'm striving. I don't want to be afraid of hard work. I want to do my part, but also I don't want to be found striving in any way for something that God Himself has promised to carry for me. We had several different ideas of what to do for this last episode. We thought about an all-out party on the podcast, more holiday gathering ideas, and at one point my kids were going to be on here with me, which we'll still plan for that for another time because I think that would actually be really fun. But because I just want to stay true to what's on my heart in the moment— I decided to keep it simple for those of you who maybe just need something simple and even quiet during the last few moments of 2016, maybe a little bit of stillness amongst the tornado of busyness all around us would be a welcomed thing. 
this time of year, I so look forward to shutting everything down and staying in my PJs for several days and honestly, just hiding for a bit. It's a time to reflect on the year, yes, but even beyond that, it's a time to hide and rest in that hiding. Maybe it's an introvert thing, I don't know, or easier for introverts, but I'd also like to suggest that maybe it's a Jesus thing too. So I thought we'd end this year kind of how we started. I began this podcast sharing with you about the bullseye, how God had spoken to me so clearly through my friend Lauren Chandler one day years ago, and how he used the simple visual of the concentric circles, the bullseye in the middle, and then the outer rings coming out from that. That bullseye is our hiding place. This is spiritually, but it can also play out physically sometimes. I think sometimes it needs to play out physically. This is where we're fully known as beloved by God who loves us so much. Inside that bullseye, this is who you are. It's the place you do everything from. I shared with you how God spoke to me through this in a season of my life where I was trying to hit the bullseye and keep all those outer rings going at the same time. I was all over the place. Somehow being a follower of Christ, a wife, a mom, a singer-songwriter on the road, and of course, wanting to be successful at all of those things. And I will say this past week has felt like that for sure. And when this happens, when I find myself trying to do the bullseye and all the outer rings all at the same time, I've learned what I need to do. I need to retreat back to that bullseye and stay there for a bit. The beauty is that through his own word, God showed me through Psalm 37 so many years ago, it just beautifully spells out the truth of living from this bullseye. And I want to read it out loud over you. I normally just read verses four through six because that's the part of the passage that really, I think, pertains to this. But lately, I've realized that this entire passage, which I really call my life passage, it begins and ends with a truth of not fretting when you look around and see people prosper who are doing wrong, basically, or people who are literally getting away with the things that you know that God would never let you get away with. I just think maybe someone out there needed to hear that right now. Don't grow weary and trusting in the Lord and doing good, even when it's so difficult to watch people profit in the midst of doing something that you know that you couldn't get away with. The Lord wouldn't allow you to. It's so hard to watch sometimes, but I love the truth of this, of just trusting in the Lord and doing good no matter what, and trusting Him and committing your way to Him. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust in him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, or some translations say, He'll make your righteousness shine like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Don't lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land." 
So in living from this bullseye, we learn to delight in Him as the treasure of our lives. And when this happens, He begins to show us what our desires really are. He literally gives us our heart's desires. He is the great desire giver. And as I've said before, He knows how to dream much bigger dreams than we could ever dream for ourselves. And if He asks you, maybe in this season, to lay a desire down, He'll put another one in its place. And I'm living proof that He will also resurrect old desires in a new season of your life. But even then, it's this new and improved desire, something even more beautiful than it was back then. And you have the capacity to do it. And then those outer rings, we just get to release all of that. That's His to carry. And those outer rings are some things He will give us and some things He won't. And in trusting Him that He doesn't withhold any good thing from us, it begins to free us in the sweetest way. In that bullseye, we get to hide and we get to be made in this secret place as we trust Him with literally everything He's given us, everything He's called us to, and everything that's coming down the road. And here's what makes it different than other places that we try to hide. When we emerge from the bullseye every day of our lives, we emerge our truest selves. Other hiding places, we either don't really fully emerge from them, or we come out hiding with some sort of outfit on that's not really truly who we are. But when we hide in the place that's already been carved out for us to hide in, we emerge from that place our truest selves. I've seen this, as I've said before, it played out in the most beautiful way through the worship leader women that I've gotten to mentor over the years. And when they learn to hide in the place that was made to hide in, they start singing from that place. And it's like the best singing lessons known to man. They literally start singing notes they've never sung before. And they start leading in a way that literally calls down heaven to earth. And it's breathtaking. Now, you may not be a singer, but there's a glory to your life that happens when you live and lead from your belovedness, from this bullseye. There's a coveredness offered to us that we often either don't fully believe or we just don't realize it's truly available to us. It reminds me of this little envelope illustration that my mom used to show me when I was a kid that her friend Annabelle Gillum showed her. And I think I've shared about this before, but she'd give me a large envelope and write God in bold letters on the front of it. And as I opened up that envelope, picture it with me, I would find a little bit of a smaller envelope with the name Christ written on it. And inside of that envelope was a smaller one, and this time with my name written on it, Christy, or picture your name here as you're following along. And inside of that envelope was a little card that said the name Christ again. Now that's quite a hiding place. You picture that larger envelope, God, and inside of that is Christ, and then inside of that is you, and then inside of that is Christ. You are in Christ, and Christ is in you, and He is in the Father. A covering that nothing else on this earth could possibly offer us. And Jesus tells us about this in John 14, 20. And anything that happens to us has to go through Christ and the Father first. And because Christ is in us, in the person of the Holy Spirit as well, we're able to be led in the way everlasting today. What a comfort to know that we already have this built-in place where we belong. And we don't have to try to belong somewhere else today. And you start realizing that those outer rings outside the bullseye are these things prepared in advance, like Ephesians 2.10 says, things planned 
for you long before you were born. And we get to contribute and step into those things, things planned for us, knowing that we have a place in Christ to do all of those things from. So it's from the bullseye out. And so living this way, it's an all your heart, mind, and strength kind of trust. I truly believe loving God with your mind is putting this bullseye belief system to work day by day in your brain, renewing your mind with the promises of His Word. And like Psalm 37 one says, trust the Lord and do good no matter what's going on around you. And when you catch yourself maybe getting back out into those outer rings and micromanaging your entire world and everyone in it, and trust me, I'm preaching to the choir today, simply walk back to that bullseye and put the covers over your head. I have a journal entry that I'd love to share with you. It's from a few years ago when I first started to realize that hiding is okay. I used to think that it was kind of selfish of me, and as I said, just maybe kind of an introverted thing, until I began to see that Jesus would often do the same thing. When the crowds were particularly heavy or when Jesus would perform miracles, there are several scriptures that tell us that He quickly escaped the crowds and He went to be alone with the Father. This journal entry is me talking to the Lord, and you'll hear me reference in it how many times after I've led worship on stage or if I've shared something maybe intensely transparent, I will have this urgent need to be alone. And when I go back home or to my hotel room, I'll literally pull the covers over my head as a way of sort of hiding from what just happened. Not because I'm scared or embarrassed, but because I just feel a great need to sort of disappear and let God use what just happened and me not interfere anymore with it, I guess. It's hard to explain, but maybe some of you know what I'm saying and can relate. But anyway, here's my journal entry, and I hope it will speak to you in a way that's profound about this past year and about the current state of your heart and even for the year that's coming. Jesus, I can't thank you enough for knowing that I would need to hide, that I would have days like today where I just need to find quiet sanity. I can trust you to understand where I'm at because you've been here too. You prepared the way for me. You know what it feels like to need to retreat and to be with the Father. All those times you got in a little boat to escape the crowds and headed for a quiet shore, you were showing us how to hide, how to abide. I keep thinking about all the places in your word that you told us that we, the ones who truly know you, already have a place to hide in you. This is what you offer to those who choose to follow you. It was revolutionary for me when you showed me that it's in this hiding that I receive my assignments for the day. And for my life, things that you planned for me before I was even born. It's so freeing to think I don't have to come up with those things today. You already planned them out for me. I just get the privilege to walk into them. I can't take credit for any of it either. One can't take credit for something they didn't come up with. You came up with it because you thought of everything. It always comes back to you. You are always how I know what's next. When I'm disciplined to keep coming back around to you continually, you show me how to walk into what you prepared for me long ago. I don't want to just do things for you. When I just do things for you, I start to sizzle and burn up. That's where thoughts of diminishment creep in, when I'm just busy doing, 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 without hiding. You've shown me that it looks more like hide and do, hide and do, 
hide and do and hide again. It's true, isn't it, that after I know that you've flowed through me, that I literally have this sense of wanting to go home or to my hotel room and put the covers over my head. I love it when I feel prompted to do strange things like that because they stay in my mind forever. It's like a little exercise that helps me remember to minister from a place of complete abiding in you. It's a practice of me saying to you, even the fruit from my life is not mine to keep. It is yours. It's also probably because you know that leading in front of people is so extremely exposing for me. I'm as introverted as they come. I often laugh that you chose me to lead thousands of people in worship when you know that a crowded room scares me more than anything sometimes. You wired me that way, so it must be okay. I've just learned that it takes a good bit of hiding to do what I do, and it always, always has to be completely from you. Those covers over my head are my way of showing you that I understand that you are the only one who really knows my heart. The people I lead can't see my heart, but you can. Anytime you've done a work through me, I want you to find me hiding at the end of the day. There, covers over my head, telling any fruit to also abide. In the end, when the music fades, I want to bless your heart most of all. I've realized that it's indeed an act of holiness to truly understand how much I'm loved by you and that I already have a place to hide in you. I confess there are times that I reject your love over my life with my own unbelief. I criticize your handiwork when I'm ungrateful for how you've created me or what you've given me or when I compare my life to others. I worry and I fret about tomorrow all the while I forget that I'm literally in an envelope of your care and love. You, the maker of heaven and earth, covering me with your love and life and protection. You've set a deep knowing in me that because you are holy, we are called to be holy. And we do that by believing what you say is factual, concrete, sure, tried, and true. And that includes our belief that you really do love us and have prepared a place for us, even now. There's something so powerful that happens when we really see that you really see us, that you know us by name. It's like the other day when I was reading about that night in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before you followed through with all that the Father had planned. Often when I read your word, I have like a movie reel going in my mind. It's all very cinematic for me. I see the garden at night in a bluish hue. There you are, face down sweating drops of blood, in extreme distress, mind, body, and spirit, certainly a kind of distress that I don't know anything about. And you ask the Father if there's any way that this cup, the cross, might could pass from you. And you look over at your disciples, your friends, with great affection and frustration all at the same time. You knew that they were incapable of rising to the occasion, to stay awake and keep watch, but you weren't afraid to ask it of them. You wanted them to be with you. You saw their potential, their hearts, and their limitations all at the same time. You still brought them along, loving them for who they were. As I think about it, I keep thinking, wow, what would it have been like to be there, to really know you like that, to walk with you through that garden, and to know what was on your heart in those moments, for you to call me by name, even if it was just to ask me why I couldn't stay awake for an hour and keep watch for you. What would it have been like for you to bring me along 
in spite of my lameness, inviting me into such important work. That's when you interrupted my thought process and basically said, Christy, remember I'm not some far-off Jesus in a movie. I'm here. I call you by name, and I know the number of hairs upon your extra full head of hair. I felt like one of those sleepy-eyed disciples in the garden, waking up and realizing that they needed to clue in to the weight of the moment. It was like I broke through some sort of untouchable mentality that I had as I read about you and remembered that you really do know me by name. The star of the most incredible story of all time knows my name. You know where I live, the names of my children, what I'm wearing today, and what I wore the day I lost my first tooth. And in addition to knowing me full well, you have invited me to walk in the garden with you today so that I will know you and what's on your heart. And you will ask things of me today that you know I'm not capable of. You'll see my willing spirit and my eagerness to go with you on the journey. And you'll love me and keep inviting me even when you know my flesh is weak. You have invited me into the weighty moments of your important work. It is all around me every day. And because I'm invited into this work, work prepared for me long ago, you knew I would need a place to come and go, a place to put things, the good and the bad, the praise and the criticism. Often people ask me, how do you deal with compliments? How do you deal with disapproval? I answer as best I can, but you know how tenderhearted and sensitive I really am. You know that I've struggled with my reputation as an idol, I wrestle with wanting to look right, and I really start squirming when I know that someone has misunderstood me or that I've been misrepresented. You've taught me to uproot that idol on a daily basis and rest in my identity in you, who I am because of you and what you have done. I can lay down my reputation and the need to look right today and leave it in my hiding place. I don't have to pretend that I don't struggle with things anymore. That's the beauty of your finished work on the cross— Why shouldn't I boast in it? It costs you everything. Being able to say how broken I am is what balances the scale. My friend Suzanne was just saying this the other day. If freedom is on one side of the scale, then on the other side has to be my willingness to admit that I'm broken and weak. It balances the scale. I must be willing to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's what your word says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It is true rest and freedom when I'm able to admit to you that in and of myself, I won't be able to come through for you today. I will most definitely be caught snoozing in the garden when I'm called on to keep watch. But because you came through for me, I can rest in my heart of hearts today. It doesn't mean I have permission to act however I want, to use the, well, I won't come through for you anyway card today. No. What it does is posture my heart to take the shape of gratitude. And gratitude swallows entitlement whole. When that happens, it sets me on the course of aiming to please you. Not striving to earn your love, no. Just aiming to bless you, Jesus, for all that you have done for me. That is hiding. Spiritual covers over my head, resting in you. It's here in the hiding that I pry open my hands, one trembling finger at a time, and hand over the good and the bad. It's here that I can say, here's what I'm carrying, Jesus. Will you help me with it? Here's the fruit and the fear. Here's the compliments and the criticism. 
Of course, I don't really have to tell you what they said because you already know what they said. There is, however, something really powerful that happens when I say it out loud to you or when I at least intentionally remember it in my hiding place. It's here that I can ask you to help me pick it apart. If it's good, if it's something that I've been complimented on, I can thank you for it. But you've taught me that I still need to release it to you. It's not mine to carry. This is why you gave me a place to put it. The more I learn to take people's praise of me to you and leave it there, the more I can authentically receive it and be blessed by it. I can just say thank you to people, not giving them some sort of false humility bit. After all, you're the gift giver, and the gifts you give are good. The important part is that I know where to put the praise at the end of the day. And I can do the same with wounding words and constructive criticism. Together we can decipher the truth from the lies. You help me choose the things that I can receive and learn from. And the rest of it, I can leave with you where it belongs. You said that I can literally cast it on you in 1 Peter 5, 7. That takes me being willing to let my pride melt away and somehow the rest falls into place. I come back to the place where I'm called beloved and true rest comes to my soul. I get to sit in the soul Sabbath that you've carved out for me. It doesn't mean I sit idle. I can have a soul Sabbath all the time, even as I'm working diligently. Your kingdom will come in and through my life. And it's here in this place that I can trust you with all the people in my life, my husband, my children, my extended family, my friends, and even the people that I lead. I can love and lead them without putting the pressure on them to be any sort of comfort or refuge or hiding place for me. I just get to enjoy them. What a gift. And yes, my family is a sweet place of comfort, joy, and refuge in a sense, but it's all because of a deeper refuge that I have in you. And I can even trust you with people who have wounded me deeply in my life, people that I don't trust. Hiding here with you each day, you make sure that your voice is louder than any other voice in my life. It's here that you ask hard things of me, and I learn to listen and obey, even when it hurts. You ask me to forgive 70 times 7 so that nothing keeps my heart from being completely yours. You prod, you examine, you prune, sometimes until I'm bare and cold, only to clothe me with compassion and satisfy my soul with the richest of foods. It is after all in the secret place with you that you do your finest work. Like a baby in the secret of her mother's womb, the more intricate your work is in us, the more hidden we become. The secret place must be important to you. It is there that you have fashioned some of the sweetest moments of my life. The small victories of the heart, those that I won with you and only you at the finish line, the times that I thought the right thing and did the right thing when no one else was looking, the moments you exposed in me ways that are utterly wicked and I called out to you in great need of you, moments that your grace alone gave me words of truth to utter in the face of a lie, and times I spoke to a mountain in my life and watched it move. None of those things could have ever been done out in the open, only in the secret place with you. That's the end of the journal entry, or vulnerability on a platter, if you will. But my hope in sharing it is that it encourages you to move towards all the places that he's been coming after your heart this past year. Take time to write them down. Take a day to hide and pull the covers over your head. Maybe not literally, but maybe literally. That needs to happen. 
Take time to remember. Take time to confess. Take time to forgive others and yourself. Lay down places that you're angry that other people might be getting away with things that you know that you yourself could not get away with because God has a way of not letting you get away with those things. Let God off of the hook and release even any anger you might have at Him for letting people get away with the things that may have hurt you. The truth is, His Word says that they won't really get away with it forever. He says, trust me and do good. And besides, David ran from Saul, who literally threw spears at him. But we know that it sent him to the caves to hide. And it was in that hiding that many of the Psalms were born, like Psalm 57. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. He will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. My God will send forth his unfailing love and faithfulness. I am surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows, and whose tongues cut like swords. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. My enemies have set a trap for me. I am weary from distress, and they have dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Wake up my heart, wake up, O lyre and harp, I will wake the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. For your unfailing love is as high as the heavens, your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. Yes, it's here in this hiding, just as David hid in that cave from Saul, that you can release the good and the bad, release the compliments and the criticism. Tell even the fruit of your life that it too must abide. I'd love for you to ask him for one word for the coming year in your time under the covers. It could be from a scripture or a song or just from his still small voice or from reading his word or even from another person. Be on the lookout for one word that he might want you to carry into the new year and ask him to confirm it several times. I'm in the midst of that right now. Not that I feel like I can't go into the new year without a word, but it just keeps your heart open. It keeps you listening and postured towards him even as this year comes to an end and you walk into a new one. And as you celebrate Christ's birth this coming weekend, think of the ways he was hidden in a stable or a cave when he was born. Then he was concealed from King Herod. He hid in the temple that day when his parents couldn't find him. And of course, when they found him, he said, didn't you know that I'd be in my father's house? And like I said, the many times throughout his ministry, he would get in a boat and paddle away from the crowds. He took time to be hidden. And I pray that also you'll marvel that he is Emmanuel, God with you now that you'll know full well that just as he was Lord at his birth, he is Lord over you even now. And that baby that all beheld that night as creation stirred and moaned and groaned, that same baby that Mary held in her arms, her son, yet her Messiah, is that same God 
who is holding you now through any heartbreak or hurt, any fear or disappointment, any question or any answer for that matter. He's the one. Like that envelope, you're tucked way down inside of his mystery and his majesty. And way down on the inside of you, you who have been born again, is this Christ with all his mystery and majesty dwelling there. You are in him and he is in the Father. What a hiding place. What a holding place. What a savior.
What a place to end a year and what a place to begin a year, hiding and being held, all so that the capacity for His kingdom coming to earth through you might be enlarged and expanded like never before. I've seen it happen. I've experienced it. Remember, it looks more like hiding and doing, hiding and doing, and hiding again. Thank you for journeying with me through one of the most exciting and freeing years of my life and sharing it with me. It wasn't without pain, of course, but has been so rich and full and free. And I look forward to what 2017 will bring. I do pray that it will bring with it more opportunity for us to journey together, whatever that looks like. Until then, you can find me in my pajamas at home with probably the covers pulled over my head at least for one afternoon. It's about that time. Have a glorious Christmas and a glorious new year, and I'll talk to you soon.